I'm Mark Vaillancourt, and this is the Conversation Hub Podcast, the gathering place for meaningful conversations on life, business, and everything in between. Each week, I'll introduce you to interesting people, fascinating projects, and engage in long-form conversations on subjects that explore life, business, and everything in between. At times, I'll even tackle some of the important issues affecting our communities, our nation, and our world. I'm glad you're here for this week's episode. So grab some coffee and let's get this conversation started. I'm Mark Vaillancourt, and this is The Conversation Hub. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Conversation Hub podcast. Delighted to have you here yet again for another meaningful conversation on life, business, and everything in between. Over the years, I've been in conversation with some pretty amazing people and have had the opportunity to hear some of their stories. My guest this week has quite the story and I'm excited for you to hear it and for you to meet her. Now, there's a quote out there that reads, always be kind for everyone is fighting a hard battle. It's from Plato. Now, our guest this week, Stephanie Hurt, is fighting a hard battle, but you would never know that if you were looking at her or if you met her. She's strong, determined, optimistic, full of life, and fighting her second round of breast cancer. Shortly after giving birth to her son, Stephanie was diagnosed for the first time. She went through, like all cancer patients, she went through treatment, but she was also, at the same time, settling into this new role, this role of being a first-time mom. She was 24 at the time. Now, a mere three years later, she's fighting her second bout with cancer. During her recent treatments, she made it a point to wear a superhero costume. Now, if you go to our website at www.theconversationhub.com and on our homepage, you'll see a picture of Stephanie in her Robin outfit. I'll leave it at that. I'll let you listen to the rest of the story. So here she is, cancer survivor and superhero to her son, Stephanie Hurt. Stephanie Hurt, welcome to the Conversation Hub podcast. Delighted that you are hanging out with us today. Yeah, me too. We're going to get to your story uh, in more detail as we go through our time together here, but I want to just start right off and ask you why you have this thing about wanting people to wink at you. Well, I'm going to have to start at the beginning here. I am in the midst of my second battle with breast cancer right now, and it kicked off in my first diagnosis. I was 24, and I went to an event called Demoing for a Cure, and a lot of my classmates, friends, peers, common people were there, and I was walking in front of the bleachers, and I could feel everyone say, oh, there's Stephanie Hurt. Did you know she had cancer? And I heard all the snickering, and there's nothing worse than the weight of the world on your shoulders, and I didn't ask for cancer, and... It was just one of those things that I was, there's got to be a better way than making me feel not good about this situation. So I came up with a philosophy that you don't need to come up to me and hug me. You don't need to come up to me and say ridiculous things because chances are you're probably going to hurt my feelings. So just don't say anything. Don't hug me. Don't touch me. Just wink at me. And that in turn meant to me that I know that you are supporting me, that you're thinking about me, you're praying for me, you're supporting me, everything. And all I need is a simple wink. 
And when you started asking people to do that or when you started sharing the reason why you wanted that, I mean, part of it was also, can I say, was medically necessary. Yes. I mean, when one goes through cancer uh, treatment with chemo radiation, obviously your immune system is not as strong as it yep. normally is. And so you're, I mean, you're really managing a lot of things in addition to the fact that you're dealing right. with Absolutely. I mean, I don't want your germs. No offense, but I just don't want your germs. I've, I've got enough of my own problems. I don't need to add yours on top. So that was just, it made the most sense. And not only that, but I've also learned that when people hug you, here's a, here's the message, folks. When you hug someone, don't beat their back. They'll, they'll, they hug you and then they start patting you on the back like I'm a child that's choking and it hurt. And I was having surgeries and people would hug me. And I'm like, stop. So... I just wanted them to wink. It was a simple solution to a problem. Now, I usually don't go into people sharing their age, but but you kind of told us that at 24, yep, at you, 24. you were diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time. Yep. So what goes through the mind of a 24-year-old when you receive that diagnosis? I mean... Yeah, you have an OSM moment. <laughs> I have an yes. OSM moment. And if this was a video podcast, we could see your facial reaction, <laughs> but but it's not. So so tell me a little bit about, you know, where life was at, what was going on, and then all of a sudden Bam. this particular nightmare uh, this nightmare comes up. I mean, so what goes through the life of a 24-year-old um, at that point? Just to give you some situational awareness of what I was going through, um, I was pregnant and actually delivered my son and two weeks later after my son was born, my dad got diagnosed with um, terminal lung cancer. Two weeks after that, I got diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And my world took a spin because I was a brand new mom. I then interned into a cancer caregiver and a cancer patient all at the same time. Now, can I give you an explanation of how I handled that? No, because I can't. I, I can tell you that um, there was probably moments where I went through sheer autopilot and just survival mode. And then there was times where I absolutely thrived. Now, if I said to you that after I found out that I had cancer, that I didn't drop to my knees and throw a temper tantrum of why it was happening to me, I'd be lying. Because I did have one moment, and that's when I came to the conclusion that there's no point in asking why, because I'm not going to get the answer. And I didn't, I mean, I had to make the best of my situation. I already knew that I was going to lose my dad. And I was going to be danged if I was going to if I was going to die to cancer because I already put my family through so much. I mean, I was a sucker punch that came in. I was the knockdown for my family that was completely unexpected because my family had no family history of cancer. It just was non-existent. Yeah, and you and I have spoken offline here, but but that you know it it is kind of the the curve of all curves. You know, you don't have a history. I mean, at least you didn't know there was a history in your family. No, out of seemingly nowhere. Your father is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Yep. And then uh, a short few weeks later, you get the diagnosis. I mean, again, mm -hmm. all of this seems out of left field. And you're getting all of this news, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of weeks after giving birth to your first child. You right. know, so now you're, uh, you're experiencing life as a mom. You're trying to wrap your head around what that means and the new you know, routines and, and a little less sleep, you know. Yeah, and let's just go ahead and say that supper was not on the table at 6 o'clock every <laughs> night. Let's just go ahead and say that because it didn't happen. <laughs> there, there was things that sacrificed, to say the least. I mean, my family stepped up completely, and I am very, very blessed for the f very close friends and family that I had next to me that were supportive. 
and with everyone that was supportive there were other everyone that wasn't so supportive that didn't quite get it and I realized that with my generation they're naive they they don't get it and they don't know how to react to it and people would just did not know what to do. Did, does that surprise you looking back? I mean, when you think about, you know, one of the shows that I try to catch, and, and I don't do it religiously, but it's Parenthood on NBC. And, and this year, one, or maybe it was last year, but one of the storyline was, you know, the young mother or, you know, the mother of one of the families has cancer. And, they, and so one of the storylines is she's going through breast cancer. So there are there are these public figures, for lack of a better term, a couple of uh, you know headline news reporters, uh, Good Morning America, Robin. I can't remember her name now, but you know she went through and was very public about her journey. Mm-hmm. But but you 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 experienced something you know kind of a little weird. I mean, your people from your generations, your friends, neighbors of you know just didn't really know how to react, how to act, what to say, how to deal with it. No, not at all. Not and, at all. Now. Was that did that surprise you, or did it just become something that it was just, just kind of became normal? That I, I didn't expect anyone to know what I was going through, and that in in my world of thinking is that there's really only two ways to fix a problem: is to educate and inform, and that's what I took it upon myself to really put myself out there. And I didn't I didn't leave out any any gruesome details. I I shared everything, like from what it's like to wake up after having a bilateral mastectomy to looking like feeling like you're a 12 year old girl that hasn't hit puberty yet. And it was it because you chose to be honest about the experience that caught people off guard, you know, because, you know, we tend to, uh, I mean, cancer is not so much like that anymore. I mean, I think mental illness still has that stigma, that stigma where, you know, we hesitate to talk about it, but you know, cancer, it seems like more and more people are, not even six degrees of separations. We all know one or two people remove someone that's been diagnosed or has yep. dealt with cancer. Or, and I have the perfect explanation for this. My and my mind you that me and my dad were going through chemo at the very very same time. So you're looking at someone that's in their twenties and somebody that's almost sixty. Yeah. I mean, there's a forty year age gap there almost. Yeah. I mean, it was thirty five, but. My dad had the, the, I don't need to trouble anybody else with my problems. I, I, this is a hush hush thing. And I had the exact opposite twist on it that I was like, no, people don't know dad. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him what it's like. I was like, I have no shame in saying that my head was in a toilet for six hours puking. And I felt like crap because I had chemo. I couldn't walk. I had like, you want to know how much chemo costs? Well, I'm going to tell you. Because it's just things that no one knew. And I think with the new wave of cancer, the fact that people in the younger generation are starting to get it, we have no shame in saying, hey, this is what it's like. I'll tell you. Well, and I mean, I think the biggest difference or one of the biggest difference between your dad's generation, my parents' generation and your generation, kind of sandwiched in the middle here between your dad's and yours. But is it, I mean, you, uh, you know, your generation and younger lives in 140 characters at a time and the Twitters and the Facebooks and, mm-hmm. and there's an instant community. Now, granted it's digital and it's uh, at arm's length because you know, you can control certain things, but so right away, I mean, you have a platform mm-hmm. and you can marshal resources and support 
and it's not that your dad's generation couldn't do that. They just had to go about it differently, right? Right. And so, I mean, it must have been interesting conversations between oh. you and your dad, you know, side, quote unquote, side by side in the chemo chairs, because you're, you're some, I mean, you're going through the, a similar experience, not the same, but it's right. a similar experience. Yet, you know, you're experiencing, you're experiencing it differently in the way that you're choosing to communicate Absolutely. with the world around you. I tell you what, when you have yourself a cancer battle buddy, is what I used, we used to call each other. We we're cancer battle buddies together. Your your relationship changes. You have conversations that, I mean, when you're both faced, and my dad's diagnosed, I mean, he was terminal. We knew what the end result was going to be for him. For me, it was still kind of a let's still hope for the best and, you know, we're going to try and, you know, tackle this beast. And not that my dad didn't have a positive attitude. He did have a positive attitude, but I also was okay with everything. And I think that my dad didn't want to be looked at in a different light, that he was a dead man walking. And I didn't care if people thought I was a dead woman walking because I was going to prove them all wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about the fact that you want people to wink at you, but there's also another meaning behind that. I mean, the acronym WINK stands for? Women in Need of Kindness. And, and so tell me a little bit about, out of your journey, not only being diagnosed once and going through a set of treatments, but now going through a reoccurrence. Absolutely. Or recurrence, whatever the, I'm French, Canadian, so, you know. Yeah, the, recurrence. Re, recurrence or reoccurrence, you know. I'm sure we'll get comments on my poor English choice of words, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so what, what inspired, I mean, again, Wink was a necessity at the beginning because, right. you know, but it also turned into something Greater. that you hope to do some great good with. So yeah. tell me behind the story behind Women in Need of Kindness. Um, women in Need of Kindness. In fact, I just got the official, official okay today that I am a nonprofit organization. And what I want to be able to do with that is I, if anyone knows what it's like to have the burden of cancer from the emotional to the financial, to every aspect of it, it's me. I've, you know, I've, I've seen, I've been the caregiver, I've been the patient, I've been, you know, I've, I've had every angle of cancer affect me, and I knew, I, I know what it's like. So I wanted to be able to put together a program that was just a little bit different, that, um, in, you know, hopes of tag teaming with Pink Boats for Hope. Like I want to be able to put girls, women, anyone that's been affected by cancer out on a boat for six hours and tell them to catch some fish with some pro fishermen. I mean, not everyone needs a trip to Disney world. Not everyone, you know, not every, we, everyone has different needs and sometimes you need to tap into those needs and give them to people to give them that extra boost to say, you know what, you can do this. I'm rallying behind you. And sometimes people need help getting to treatments. They need gas put in their car. Maybe they need their mortgage paid for a month. Maybe they, you know, maybe they just need someone to talk to. Maybe I can put together a mentoring group where you have you know your senior you know remissioned cancer patients that are going to start mentoring younger women to say you know what you can do this I've been there you can do this and to basically form a community to help lift the spirits of cancer cancer isn't necessarily always bad I know every the, the light on cancer is negative as, as a whole, it's negative, like you have cancer. Not only that, but everyone just doesn't know how to handle it. But I can tell you this much, from getting cancer, my entire world and outlook have changed completely. Give me an example. Um, and not that I wasn't headstrong before, but I'm even more headstrong now. 
Like, you you can try and push me down. You might knock me down a little bit, but I'm going to get back up. I look at things in a more forgiving light that um, sometimes, and again, this goes back to uneducated, uninformed about what it is. So I don't hold negative grudges about people saying to me, oh, I didn't. I won't get cancer because I have smaller breasts than you had. Or I'm not going to get cancer because I didn't have a family history. Well, I'm not going to get cancer because I don't have genetic mutation. Well, guess what, folks? I didn't have a family history. I didn't have a genetic mutation. And I'm pretty sure that the size of your breasts have nothing to do with the fact of you getting breast cancer as men can get breasts. And the last time I've taken a look around, not too many men have breasts or large ones at that. Yeah, good point. So... Now, this desire for this community and this um, kind of support uh, that you want to create and make available through Wink, through your your foundation, through your group, is that because of something you didn't get while you were going through your experience? Or is it a result of some of the things that you, you did have, the support that you did have, and just this desire to just blow that up and make it even more available? Tell, tell me. I, I, I was an in-betweener. Um, I was young enough to go to the children's hospital, but not that I, I, I'll get down on the floor and play Legos with anybody, but probably not who I wanted to surround myself with. Mm -hmm. Now on the flip side, I have 40, 50, 60, 70 year old women that are going through breast cancer that are on a totally different level than me. They don't have an infant child at home. They don't probably even have their parents anymore. And it was just a totally different level. And I found that there was really no one for me to connect with. That it, it was Not that it wasn't there. It wasn't easily accessible for me. So that I, with this second diagnosis, I really started becoming a mentor for other women. Some that are older, some that are younger, some that are the same age as me. And it's like, yeah, I've been there. Let's let's talk about it. And I usually kick it off with, this is what I've been through. And there's another thing. You have to realize that everyone's diagnosis is different. It, sure, it falls underneath the cancer umbrella. But there was one thing like, oh, my sister's friends, cousins, brothers, nieces, friends, cousins, niece. Twice removed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Had cancer and she did this and it worked for her. And she was she's been in remission for 17 years. Huh. Good for her. What, what what did she have? Let's 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 put pathology reports down on on front of us and see if they're the same. Chances are they're probably not. So even though that we're very similar, mm-hmm. we're also very different. So you can't assume that because I did something that worked for me, it's going to work for somebody else. And likewise, if something worked for somebody else, it may not work for me. And to go in there with that foot that I don't know everything, I'm not claiming to know everything, but I will share with you my story and I would love to hear yours. And for some people, they want to talk about it. And it gives a totally different respect to somebody talking with somebody that has cancer because they know, they they get it. And that's totally different than me going to a counselor or even a psychologist that hasn't been affected by cancer. Sure, you can guide me and you can be a coach for me, but you haven't been there. Mm-hmm. And that they, they say that too, that you know, if you're going to be a counselor or a mentor, the best counselors and mentors are the ones that have been there. They've hit rock bottom. They know what it's like. And that's what I wanted to do. I, and that's what I'm going to do is be there for other women that don't know how to handle things. And I, I'm not going to say that I've handled pretty much everything, but you know, it kind of feels like it. Yeah, sure, there are days when 
you just wonder if there's I mean you probably could take on more but you're like enough already yeah and then I was I you know I've said this multiple times too um that you know if God gave me any more strength I don't know what would happen. He needs to start giving me some patience because <laughs> I'm a little tapped out on the strength and I need a little more patience right now because when you start getting dumped with stuff, you just, yeah. and I think part of like my survival technique has been compartmentalizing. Like I, I can eat a whole pie. Trust me. I love me some pie, but you, I have to do it one piece at a, at a time and yeah. to sit back and start, you know, figuring out which, what piece of my pie am I going to eat today? What piece am I gonna eat? What piece of my pie am I gonna eat next? You you can't do it all at once, and I fully understand that. And I think another thing that sets me a little bit apart of people is that I'm okay with dying, tenfold. I'm one hundred percent okay with dying. And then the person on the on the flip side is you're okay with dying, and you have a three year old. What am I gonna do about it? I could be mad about it, and that wouldn't change. What kind of example do I want to set for my son? I want to show to him that I'm I'm superwoman, and that you need to be right with the man upstairs, and you're not you if you do if you do what's right in your life, and what you feel is right, you shouldn't have any worries about dying. So when you take that whole entire aspect of dying out of it, like you just don't think about it. Like I'm okay with it. You know what? At the end of this, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to die. Okay, perfect. I've solved that. Now I'm moving on to my next. So there's my one piece of pie. I just sat down and said to myself, all right, what's worse? I'm going to die. Okay. You know, not that I've talked to anyone that's been to heaven, but I've heard it's got to be nice up there, you know? (laughs) So you use the word uh, superhero, uh, wanting to be a good example for my son. And people who visit our website and look at the, uh, the picture that I have of you on there will see you all dressed in glory. Um, I think it's uh, the Wonder Woman costume, or I think it was Robin. Or Robin. Oh, there's there's yeah, there's I mean, multiples. So, trust me. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me a little bit about why it became this tradition for you on the days where you were coming for treatment that you wore a superhero outfit. Okay, first off, my my first bout with cancer, I wore ugly party shirts. Really? Yeah. Well, I figured if I was getting a chemo cocktail, I might as well dress in my party gear. And I, I you know, cancer's ugly. So why dress up for it? Not only that, but I ain't, didn't want to wear those clothes again. So that was it. And my, the first time around, and my son was clearly way too young. I mean, he's an infant. He has no idea. I mean, technically, I could fly underneath the radar and tell him it never happened. Now, on the flip side, when I got diagnosed for the second time, he was two years old. What characters do two-year-olds look up to? They look up to superheroes. And I wanted to display to him that just because mom's sick doesn't mean that I'm not awesome. That doesn't mean that I'm not super, that I'm not superwoman, that I've got strength and I've got courage. I've got it all. And the best way for me to show him that was to wrap it up into what he looks up to, and that was superheroes. So every time I went in for chemotherapy, I wore a different superhero costume. And I, it was, oh my gosh, you could go back there and talk to the infusion center nurse, nurses back there and they'd tell you that I was just a hoot. Um, I would make them set up a fan so my cape could flap <laughs> as I was getting infusion. I would, I would be like, oh my gosh, I'd make them all laugh. And that was, that was my goal. 
that I wanted I wanted to be a positive influence for people that this isn't always I mean this is just something we're going to go through it's just that's just it it's just something you got to do so it was really kind of cool to have a cape and then my son would help me pick out my superhero attire from down from my bandana down to the my cat eyes I used to wear my my cape and then he'd wear a cape too the days that I mean he couldn't come with me to chemo because I couldn't be around him for 48 hours afterwards but um he'd wear his cape and we'd FaceTime I get to see him in his little cape and he'd get to see me in my cape and you know we were super together and there's there's something to be and my my three-year-old probably understands cancer better than most anyone else out there because he's been so directly affected by it I mean I'd be sitting there with my superhero cape on trying to show him how strong I was even though I didn't feel like it by gosh I was trying to show him I mean I would be sick and throwing up and he'd be rubbing my back saying mom it's okay so the superhero outfit you know uh, as if people who are listening can sense you know through the conversations and your energy that, that you're very positive you've got you're you know you're doing everything that you need to do and beyond to to beat this and mm-hmm. uh to position yourself, uh, you know, for a long life. Are there moments, though, uh, even as positive and as uh, energetic and as focused as you are uh, when uh, it's just you and the cape is the not cape's a, off? The cape's off. And, <laughs> the cape's off. And, you know, the eye mask is not there. And, <laughs> and I can't hide behind anything. And you just, you know, you just find yourself um, wondering how it's all going to... Well... You know what? And that goes back to my piece of the pie that I that I ate a long time ago that I realized that there's no point in asking why because I'm not going to get an answer. I, I mean, like, I'd love to phone up God and be like, yo, dude, what's up? What's up there? You know, hey, I just got a quick question for you. What you got in mind for me? And that's when I came to the conclusion that I'm not going to get an answer. So there's no point in asking those questions because when you start asking those questions, that's when you start getting irritated and frustrated and mad and everything. And not that being mad and having cancer is a negative thing because you need to be mad. You need to be, you need to have a little gusto behind you to fight back. But I just came to the conclusion that there was just no point. I wasn't going to get the answers that I was looking for from anybody. No one was going to be able to tell me. I mean, doctors can't even tell me why with no family history, no DNA mutation, no anything, why it happened to me. And the only thing that I could really come up with to put my mind at ease with it is that there had to be some sort of purpose behind it. Now, when I sit there and look at the big picture, because hindsight is always better. 2020, isn't it? 2020, I came to the conclusion that, you know, maybe the whole point of me going through this absolute nightmare was that I needed to go through that in order to help others. And if I was selected, so to say, to go through that, to be able to push others to get to the same, you know, level as me, then so be it. All right. There's my purpose. I got it. And I'm okay with it. All of it. I'm okay with all of it. Because there's not a dang thing I can do about it. Now, if you ask my mom, on the other hand, she will tell you that she's had a lot of those moments where she doesn't understand why. Well, I would imagine for her, it's... Mm -hmm. um you know, it's that it's that double whammy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not only did she lose her husband, her life partner, the father of her children, soulmate. soulmate, all of these things, and then to turn around and then have, you know, one of her children go through the similar... What do they call that? Cancer's remorse, I think. 
because it didn't feel right to her. And we no no parent, and I'm not a parent of a child that's had cancer, so I'm I'm just speaking from what I've seen. No parent wants to see their child go through cancer, any sort of illness, when it's something they can't fix. This isn't just a go to the medicine cabinet, get out a Band-Aid and slap that on there and woohoo, give it a kiss and you're good to go. Yeah. It, it wasn't like that. And it, for my mom, she was really torn the first time around because where do I go? Do I support my one and only daughter or do I stay by my husband's side? What do I do? And, you know, and I tried to alleviate the stress of it all and I said, Mom, I got this. Girl, I'm, I'm good. And... Not everyone has that type of strength to say, no, I'm going to the doctor's appointments by myself, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm fine. Really, I am. I'm, I'm okay, Mom. You do what you need to do, and I'm okay with it. And that's what, I mean, she, she had to take care of my dad, too. So I was at appointments with her, and she, she I mean, she'll, she'll tell you that I'm the strongest woman that she, she knows. And I can tell you this much is that I wouldn't be this strong if it wasn't for the impacts in my life growing up. And I mean, obviously my parents taught me to be, or had significant impact on this super Steph awesomeness <laughs> that has come out. This Steph strong. Woo-hoo. So, um, you know, I, I give her some gratitude too. And it was like, well, mom, one of us has to worry. <laughs> You're already doing enough for everyone. So you go ahead and worry. Well, that's the role of a mom, isn't it? Absolutely. I would yeah. be worried sick if my son had cancer. So back to uh, Wink and uh, some of the things that you hope to do with that. So uh, I know it, you just, as you mentioned, you just got the word. You, you just, you're, yep. you're, you're official. You're legit. I'm legit. Um, so tell me, you know, how can people, uh, you know, begin to uh, rally with you and support what you're trying to do? What, what, you know, how can it connect with you? What, how do you want right. them to interact I mean, there's you? obviously open, op- open donations yep. that you don't, get anything in return just um you know a write-off because everyone needs them (laughs) (laughs) but and that in turn will go to help everyone i'm currently working on a clothing line there's going to be a website that will come up in future i would love to get together um there will be a book that will be published i'm currently going to be working on um actually a therapist with that to um basically do side notes on what it's like from a like this is why Steph thinks that way. Kind of like your medical diagnosis of we can tell you, she can tell me why I probably thought that way or kind of coach other people through that so that way they kind of get it too and they can see it in a different light rather than just mine because sometimes it's good to have more than just one opinion. So she's going to help me tag team with that. I'd love to have a magazine with some very inspiring women and I know some of them because some of them I've mentored and I'm so very proud of you, Jenny. <laughs> But um, some of them I've mentored, and I'd love to put them and show show the world just just what it takes to be a superhero, mm-hmm. and how, what kind of strength they have, and what they've done to help them get through it. I mean, when you have cancer, everything sacrifices, and sometimes just to read those stories or see those stories, it it can lift you up and shed some light and be like, oh well, this crazy staff girl, she wore superhero costumes with big hunting boots to pretty much. Every chemo treatment, wow, weird duck. But I tell you what, I had fun. Yeah. And it turned into, 
oh, Steph has chemo today. What, what, what? What, <laughs> what is what? she going to come up with? What, what costumes she is? And you wouldn't believe the kind of compliments that I get. I mean, like people, and not only that, but, you know, when you walk in and you're young, everyone's kind of like, what is she doing here? You know, yeah. who is she here with? And the, the second time around, um, I had a 50-50 chance of losing my hair. And obviously you can tell that I still have my hair, which... Thank you, God, because there is nothing worse from a female point of, I mean, like, that's our, that's our identity. When you take that away from us and you have no eyebrows, you have no eyelashes, you have no hair in your head, you are, you're nothing. I mean, like, you're a cue ball walking around and people look at you funny. And in fact, I even took a picture. Um, my first time I'd lost all my hair completely. I remember the day I lost my very last eyelash. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, that old like grab an eyelash put it on your finger blow it off make a wish <laughs> i thought to myself i've only got one left <laughs> better make it count <laughs> i mean, pretty pretty easy to probably tell what my wish was but um i took a picture of half my face painted quote unquote and half my face not just to show people like this is what it's like this is what i this is what i look like when i look at myself in the mirror and that's part of it is just getting over that, knowing that that's just temporary. Yeah. It doesn't change who you are as a person inside. This is just physical appearance. And I, if, if all you're banking on in life is your physical appearance, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sit down and do some restructuring because <laughs> it's probably not going to pay out for you for very long. So I, I just did that. And I was, I, I had to laugh about it because I would joke around at Christmas time and be like, well, Am I going to have happy eyebrows today, <laughs> cranky eyebrows, big old clown eyebrows, grumper eyebrows, because I didn't have any eyebrows. So I figured I could choose my mood right away in the morning. <laughs> if I wasn't feeling it, I was going to put some grumpers on. One of the things we didn't talk about is that you're obviously an avid outdoors person. You oh, yes. uh, you find strength, peace, and in, in uh, living outdoors. Unity. Um <laughs> And you're also a photographer, so tell me a little bit about how those two things, those two side things that you do that are part of your story, how they've helped you cope, how they've helped you get through some of these difficult moments. And uh, I, th- I think even with, with both of them, it's, there is something to be said about sitting in complete silence and calm and have sheer gratitude for everything that surrounds you, that I guarantee you that you can find beauty in anything. Absolutely, 100% you can. Now, to say when I'm out in a deer stand and I'm I'm sitting there with my bow and it's quiet and I can listen to nature around me, you know, this this last season I was out in my bow stand a decent amount too. I didn't, I didn't harvest any animal, not because I didn't see them, but I took sheer gratitude in just watching them in the peace of mind and I can tell you and it wasn't because I didn't it was great for me because I felt like I wasn't alone I had company obviously I had my dad with me because he comes with me everywhere I ask him to um and I'm you know you just that's your one time that you get to sit there and just and ask questions of you know God where am I going with this because you know and sometimes somehow some way I think you just get a silent answer that just puts a lot of it at ease and I even noticed with, like, my whole photography deal, I started taking sunset pictures. And there's sheer beauty in sunsets because no matter what happens at, in your day, it still sheds such a beautiful light. Like, you can sit there 
and watch a sunset going going down and it's it's absolutely beautiful it's breathtaking and to sit there for and usually it takes about you know I I like it's my 20 minutes of sheer solitude and I just watch it and it's just gorgeous and I thought this is just so sad that they're not captured on on film you know like pictures so I started taking pictures and it became like my photo therapy it was my you know 30 minutes to sit and you know collect my thoughts on what had happened that day and realize that no even even if bad things had happened it was still beautiful no matter what and it was going down and it still meant that there was going to be another day this is just this is just today there's still beauty in today and there's always tomorrow you were diagnosed for the first time at 22 24 24 sorry 24 when you look back and I know this may sound like a corny question but I'm going to ask it anyway so the person you are today how different is she from the person the night before you receive your diagnosis um I'm very similar I've always been you know strong outgoing I mean I've always been pretty outspoken. Um, probably more so now. I'm ex- way more understanding than I ever were was before. I'm understanding of situational differences. Um, I don't judge books by covers anymore. Because let's let's be fair, if you see me walking on the street, would you know that I just received radiation 10 minutes ago? By just looking at me, you wouldn't know. And just because, I mean, you, you don't know, so you don't, you haven't walked in my shoes, so don't think that you know what's going on. And I've looked at that, and if I see someone, I don't know what their hardships are, so I don't judge. I've I've taken judging completely out of my, like, I just don't do it anymore because, it's, for one, it's not my job to judge. So I don't do that anymore. And it's probably because I've been judged so much that, oh, you don't have cancer. I've, I've had people tell me that. And they'll ask, in fact, I did some stuff for Relay for Life and I was working on some projects and one of them, one person made a comment about like, why are, why are you so passionate about this? And I was, well, because I've had cancer. I'm can- a survivor. Yeah, I've had cancer. And they looked at me and they're like, no, you haven't. I'm like, okay, I guess I haven't then. I'm, I'll walk away. You, you don't get it. Got it. And no hard feelings. You just... And I, I don't judge because of that. As we get ready to wrap up here, we at the Conversation Hub uh, know this show, these conversations that I've had, we, we refer to ourselves as the gathering place for meaningful conversations on life, business, and everything in between. I'm wondering if you can, in your own words, describe what defines a meaningful conversation for you. I think that if you can take something away from it, whether it's wisdom, knowledge, whatever it is, if you can take one thing away from a conversation, it was a great conversation. And if you feel good about it at the end of it, it's a good conversation. Good. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate your time and we'll wish you continued success here with the last few treatments that you have and with your journey as a survivor and more importantly, I, I know that our listeners are joining me and giving you a big wink. Boop, boop. <laughs> and uh, we wish you success with your 
new project, Women in Need of Kindness. Wink it out. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. All right, thanks. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Conversation Hub podcast. You can join the conversation online on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website at www.theconversationhub.com. You can find and subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store by searching for The Conversation Hub. The Conversation Hub podcast is a member of the TCH Media Network and is produced and edited by me, Mark Vaillancourt, for Based Left Productions. We're back next week for more meaningful conversations on life, business, and everything in between. Until then, be well and make it a great day.